I think it was in Mark around chapter 6, verse 5 in there, where Jesus went to his hometown and he wanted to do miracles there. You know, everywhere he went, he did miracles. He was the manifest of heaven on earth. The Word became flesh. See, the Word needed to get into a body here on this earth, so the Son of God became the Son of Man. Because the Word, when it gets into a body, the anointing is released in the natural. And Jesus wanted to release the, na- the, the, the anointing in the natural because he said, I've come to heal. I've come to open blinded eyes. I've come to deliver. I've come to set the captives free. But when he came to his hometown, there was a culture about that town about, uh, and their mindset about him that the Bible says he was unable to do many miracles there except heal a few because of their unbelief. There was a culture of unbelief. And because of that culture that dominated that, that, that spiritual climate, even the Son of God was limited in ministering the manifest of heaven on earth. So I follow what Jesus did. What did he do? Did he go in the corner and pout and complain, these folks just won't receive me? And, you know, or did he condemn them to hell and say, you know, you need to suffer, you don't deserve to be healed, you don't deserve me? No. He went about changing the culture. He went about teaching the gospel, teaching the Word of God, spreading the anointing and breaking that culture of unbelief and changing it with a culture of faith so that He could do mighty miracles. We're looking tonight at cultural exchange. I'm calling it power shift. Power shift. Because I believe we need to follow the example of Jesus Christ and uh, in his word, he tells us in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, they said, Jesus, we see the, way you've, the things you've done are absolutely amazing. So they didn't say, teach us how to heal or teach us how to deliver or teach us how to change the culture. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray because when you pray, things change. And Jesus said, in this manner, you should pray. He said, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. We're to pray, your kingdom come. We are not to say we're just passing through. I know we're just passing through, but we've got a job to do while we're here. We have an assignment here. You are not dropped off of the truck. I remember growing up, uh, on Wednesday was market day. And Wednesday afternoon, there was a little pig, just a little old thing running in the middle of the road right in front of our house. He had fallen off of one of the trucks. Someone must have bought a salad, had some pigs, I don't know. So we called around, called the market. They said, who got a sow with pigs? Every farmer in the whole community did. So we're like, we couldn't identify whose pig it was. So I took him to raise. He became Wilbur. Now we had a farm. We had hundreds of hogs on it. Never made friends with them. But this little fella, he became my pet. And in, in time, it came when he needed to become bacon. And uh, he needed a name change. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, I just can't do it. I mean, we've taken, uh, I mean, we've, we've done this a lot, but this is Wilbur. I mean, he would wag his tail like a puppy dog, you know, when I would go out there to him. Now, he smelled like a hog, and he definitely did, and, uh, but nonetheless. So my dad, on a Wednesday when I was at school, had my uncles take him to market so that I didn't have to participate in it, and that was a good thing. Uh, so even to this day, I'm still getting counseling over Wilbur. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Come on. But my story and this little pig being dropped off and somebody caring for it till he met his uh, purpose, um, that is not what happened to us. We were not just, we didn't fall off of a truck 
and we're just stumbling through trying to get through here to get to heaven. We came from heaven to earth. We have a plan. God, we were the substance of God. We were, it, God says, I knew your substance before you had a body. Before you were in your mother's womb, you were substance in my presence looking for a body to become manifest so that my will could be accomplished on earth through you. That's why Jesus said we've become the body of Christ as we've received the Christ, the Christos, the anointing of God in us and through us. So let's not say we're just hanging on until we can go to heaven one day. We need to say we have a purpose, a divine purpose, and we need to wake up to our destiny. Amen? And I believe that Jesus said, as he did, so shall we. We are called to bring a change to the culture. There should be an, a cultural exchange that takes place, but it has to take place through a power shift. So Jesus says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So we're to bring heaven to earth. We're just, sometimes we've got the wrong theology. We think we're just trying to get through earth to get to heaven. We're to bring heaven to earth. We're to bring a cultural change here on this earth. And how to do that? We need daily bread. We need the nourishment. We need the wisdom. And we need the guidance of God every day. And for Him to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We can't live as the world lives in unforgiveness and, and holding on to bitterness and and roots of bitterness and letting them sprout up in our lives. We've got to operate in the way God's called us to so this divine exchange can flow through us. And do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. We can't be in bondage to the evil one and bring the deliverance that God has for us. For yours is the kingdom and the power. How is it going to happen? Through his kingdom work, through his power, and through his glory. So we need to be partnered with his kingdom, his power, and his glory. We need to be a part of his kingdom... <clears throat> by being born again. We need His power. We need the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and His glory. We need to then not quench the Spirit of God, but let God's glory flow through us so His glory can cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Somebody say amen. amen. Cultural exchange, I'm calling it power shift. We need a power shift. I posted on uh, Facebook a little earlier, you need to bring your transmission tonight because we're going to shift gears and we're going to the next level. We're going to move. I, I'm going to move in the direction God's leading me and I believe He's going to help move all of us. All of us are going to move in that direction and we're going to, we're going to bring a cultural change of heaven on earth and we're going to start seeing a greater manifest of the glory of God like never before. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I am so excited to say, wait a minute, we are, not, we are not the victims in this scenario. We are the victors in this scenario, and it's time we rise up and be who God has called us to be. So there has to be a change in the culture, because when Jesus went to the culture where there was unbelief, even he could do no mighty miracles there, but heal a few. Let me tell you what, but then he started working on bringing the word of God, bringing the light into the darkness, and bringing the change in the culture from unbelief to belief so that it would be a people of faith to receive what he was doing. So we see here from Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it is the will of God to invade the earth with the culture of heaven. It is the will of God. So I don't really, to be honest with you, your opinion doesn't matter here. My opinion doesn't matter here. We see from the very lips of Jesus Christ himself that it is his will. It is not his desire. It is his will. It is his will. 
You say, well, I'll pray and get what the will of God is for my life. This is the will of God, that His kingdom power and kingdom culture would invade the earth with the culture of heaven. That is the will of God. He said, I want you to pray to my Father every day. I want you to pray and, and align yourself and come in agreement with that. And secondly, when we are awake to His presence, we can cooperate with heaven. We have to wake up. We have to wake up. There is a drug in the culture that we live in, and it's a drug that comes in through our ears and our eyes and our senses that tries to numb us and tries to uh, lull us into a, a sleepy state where we don't realize our destiny. We don't realize our purpose. We don't understand why the devil is fighting us so hard. Why won't he just leave me alone? Why is he trying to keep a grip and hold me down and destroy me so? Because he sees what I'm asleep to. He sees the destiny that if I were to ever wake up and ever get free... Let me tell you what, God could use me in greater ways than, than the devil could ever destroy me. Hallelujah. So uh, God calls men and women to rise up, and he says, Oh, good are the feet of those who bring good tidings of good news that preach the gospel to help wake us up. He calls us a herald. And a herald is one who would come on the rooftop and would herald the, the message or herald the word or herald the, herald the decree of the king. And whoever heard what the herald said as he would herald the decree of the king, whatever the king said, even though the king was not present, that which the person heard and believed became theirs. That law became theirs. That, that blessing became theirs. That promotion became theirs. If a herald came to you and says, the king has given you 2,000 acres of the most beautiful land of the countryside on this river, and it is completely yours, and you'll never pay taxes on it or your generations to come. Even though the king did not stand in your presence and say that, the moment the herald would share with you what the king said, and you would believe it, and then you would occupy and walk in it, that land became yours yours. It's yours. So when we awake to His presence, we can cooperate with heaven. So we're here to tell you God is not dead. He's surely alive. God is not dead. He's here. And He's living on the inside of us. And He wants to live on the inside of you if you'll receive His presence into your life. And you need to wake up and realize you're a child of God. Wake up and realize you have purpose and destiny. Wake up and say, I know I've been vibrating on the inside, trying to get it to manifest on the outside to do something. I just didn't know what it was. Let me tell you what. It is to bring heaven to earth. Hallelujah. And the third point I want to make here is we have to shift. There has to be a shift from a visitation mentality to a habitation mentality. Away with the thought that we're going to usher in the presence of God in a special revival meeting and we're going to bask in His presence and we're going to have Holy Ghost moments and we're going to treasure them because He's going to pass us by. And it may be another year, it may be another decade before we ever have a revival like that again. Let me tell you what, that's a trick of the enemy. That is a visitation mentality that God is far removed from humanity and that if with the special, uh, like the, the prophets of Baal, a special crying out and a cutting of yourself and a bleeding and, and a sacrifice, you can finally get him to, to visit again. That is an earthly, that is an ungodly mindset. 
We need to understand that His name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God in us. Let me tell you what, that God never will leave you. He will never forsake you. When you're going through a hard time, it's not because God left you. He is right there. He is right there. We've got to get away from this mentality that God is a God who visits us. He is, a, he is an absentee father. And it's his weekend to visit with us. And he's going to come and treat us really good because he's never around the rest of the time. Let me tell you what, that is not our God. Our God said there's no shadow of turning with him. Our God says, if you look and I'm not there, it's not because I went anywhere. You're the one that walked away. So all you got to do is turn, repent, return to me. He said, I'm right here because I am God and I change not. I am Jehovah Shema, the God who stands, the God who is there, the God who is present. Hallelujah. So we have to shift from this visitation mentality to a habitation mentality, that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? That God's Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you to quicken your mortal body. We have heaven on earth in our mortal bodies in and through the presence of the Spirit of God. So you've got to wake up to His presence and you so that you can cooperate with heaven and bring it to earth. And you've got to shift. He is not here and there and gone and maybe coming back. All you've got to do is turn to Him. It's not, oh, if I do this and do this and do this and do this and do this, maybe He'll visit me again. He is here. He is here. And you need to have faith to believe that. Jesus was with His family and friends and cousins and, and, and the boys that grew up in the hood with Him. He was there. He was present. But they did not recognize Him. They did not recognize him to receive him. And because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty miracles there at that time. But he didn't leave it at that. He went about teaching the truth. Teaching the truth because you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from the dumbness that the devil brought into your mind. It'll set you free from the bondage that the enemy brought into your life. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's his desire. He challenges us with the task to invade the culture of this world with the culture of heaven. Do you get the challenge? Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Yes. And in that prayer, he challenges us to invade the culture of this world. Don't leave it as status quo. Don't leave it the way you found it. You were born into darkness, but you are the very conduit of the light of heaven. And run the darkness out of the room, he said. Change the culture with the culture of heaven. And in order for that to happen, I say there has to be a shift. A shift moving from one culture to the next. And I've, got to, I've been studying. I believe this is how we can do it. This, you say, well, how do we do it? I believe this is how we can do it. First, we need a better understanding of what this is we're trying to bring a shift to, this thing called culture. Let me explain to you what culture is. Now, now I, want you to, I want you to hear with your spiritual ears because what I'm saying is so much more than just intellectual thought. This thing goes deeper deeper than just the philosophical rumblings of the mind. So I want you to hear with your spiritual ear what I believe the Lord has showed me. Culture is the prevailing rule of strongholds. 
So when we're talking about a culture that we're bringing a change to, a shift to, we've got to understand there are prevailing strongholds in this culture. Now, strongholds are entrenched mindsets that color how a person thinks and feels about himself, about God, and about the world around him. That's what a stronghold is. It is a, it is a strong mindset, an entrenched mindset that is coloring how you feel about yourself, about God, if there is a God. As Pastor Rodica was sharing earlier, uh, those that were declaring they were atheists uh, and the world around you, that is the stronghold. See, strongholds shape how we behave and respond to the world. Strongholds develop how they develop. Uh, they have to have a climate. And this climate uh, is where the atmosphere is influenced by spirits. See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not the natural what we see can touch that we're wrestling against. It's that what's in the unseen realm uh, of spiritual warfare that's taking place. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places, the Bible says. So strongholds, have, they have to find a climate where the atmosphere is influenced by spirits in order for those strongholds to take root. So whatever spirit is permitted to operate... Now remember, there are bad spirits, and there, there's the Holy Spirit, and there's uh, the Spirit of God. So we've got good and bad. So we're not, we're not saying any of this is bad in itself. I'm explaining to you how strongholds work, but when the enemy is doing it through evil spirits, then there are going to be evil strongholds that are mindsets that color the way you see yourself, and you see God, and you see the world around you. So whatever spirit is permitted, and I say permitted, permitted, get that permitted. They have permission. Who's given them permission? We'll, we'll see that. They have to be given permission, and we know who, well, I'm going to show you who's given them permission. But where they are permitted to operate, they create an atmosphere which is, establishes a climate where strongholds rule, and whatever strongholds rule, that's what determines the culture. So if you've got evil strongholds ruling, they're going to be de de uh, defining the culture. And if you have uh, uh, strongholds that lean in one particular evil uh, uh, venue, you might would say, then you're going to find that is going to be the culture in that area and that region even so. So let, let's then say that if this is all based on spirits that are permitted, let's look at a uh, little study of spirits here. Let me give you a, a characteristic of spirits that you need to know. Spirits always seek a voice. Come on, just say voice, just so we are participating with it. Voice. They, they seek a voice. Okay, that's not ants up there. That's people. I don't know if you can see that because <laughs> the spirits are looking for people to bring a voice. If you'll remember, God created all the animals and everything and said that was good, but when it came to us, He held us, formed us out of clay, and then He breathed, He spoke into us. And He created us in His image as He was a speaking spirit speaking into us, He created us to be speaking spirits. So what the enemy does now is the enemy looks for what God created as a vessel that would bring forth His word into the world, the enemy came to Eve and then Adam to try and get them in agreement with him so that they could then, they could be the same instruments to bring evil, uh, the manifest of evil, into the world. 
Spirits seek a voice. Spirits seek expression in the material world because only then can they exert their fullest influence. Spirits have to have someone to cooperate with them in order for them to really do damage, if you understand what I'm saying. So if you're scared of ghosts, you need not be scared of ghosts. If you want to ball your fist up and be careful against a crazy uh, uh, numbskull that is under the influence of an evil spirit that's wanting to attack you, you you're going to be hitting the, the flesh that's coming against you. You're going to defend yourself against the flesh that's coming against you, but you're not re- wrestling against flesh and blood. There's a spirit behind that. So some people say, well, I'm just scared of ghosts. They're going to come in. What are they going to come? Move your hair? <laughs> if they can even do that. So they're looking for the material to manifest in, and they can only do that as they come in uh, uh, through a speaking spirit that God created to bring good, which is mankind. So all spirit powers ultimately seek manifestation in the material world. That's what they're wanting to do so that they can find their reason for existence. And to do this, they have to occupy time and space. So they're looking for a body. Did you know that? You say, oh, is is the devil going to, am I going to be, you know, uh, uh, possessed by a demon? Only if you come in agreement. Only if you come in agreement. And how do you come in agreement? By speaking. That's why he says the power of life and death is in your tongue. Blessing and curses is in your tongue. Bringing the manifest of heaven on earth or bringing the manifest of hell on earth is in your tongue. It's looking to find through your tongue. So we've got to be very, very conscious of that. Uh, otherwise, they're rele- uh, relegated to the realm of thought and theory and philosophy and feeling, and uh, they can have some influence there, but not as much as when they find someone who will come in agreement with them. So spirits seek to move from concept to concrete, if I could say it that way. Now, how do spirits try to move from concept to concrete or from reason <coughs> to reality? Excuse me. First, we must know that God has made us the keepers of the earth. Okay, so before I go any further, we need to settle that. Who's the keepers of the earth? (coughs) Created by God? We are. He's given that authority, all that authority to us. So what these spirits seek to produce is agreement in mankind. And they're very subtle, very subtle. And they are prone to lie because their father, Satan, is the father of lies. So they don't know how to tell the truth. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. So, so what they tell you is not true. What they, in trying to find agreement, uh, with you to come in agreement with them, they will say things that sound almost as though God is speaking, but there'll be a little twist to it. There'll just be a little hold back to it because they're not going to tell you the full truth. So spirits are seeking agreement with mankind. So if man agree or respond in favor with these powers of the air, an atmosphere is created. Remember, we're talking about strongholds that find their place in climate and atmosphere. How will we get to these strongholds? Well, here we're looking at it. This is the progression. There is an atmosphere that is established when we come in agreement with what a spirit is saying. Now, if the Holy Spirit is telling us, by His stripes you're healed, you come in agreement with that, there's an atmosphere for healing there. Do you see what I'm saying? You're building an atmosphere for healing. When Jesus went into his hometown, there was an atmosphere of unbelief. 
And because of that, Jesus had to come start teaching to shift the culture in order to do any mighty miracles there. He didn't just wash his hands of those folks because he loved them. So he came up, he then showed us that you've got to start working on the changing, uh, shifting of the culture. So when you respond in favor or in agreement with a spirit, then it establishes an atmosphere. An atmosphere is created to make the will of the Spirit's power more likely to occur. People then begin to give expression to the agreement that they have made with that Spirit, and when they begin to give expression to it in, in their thoughts now, in their actions and in their words, it makes the things of that Spirit more tangible or concrete here on the earth. And guess, get this, the more passionate the expression, the more contagious the agreement becomes and the spiritual influence spreads to others even faster. That's why you can go into a dead church and, and nobody really gets saved and nobody really gets healed and nobody really gets delivered and nobody really gets anything until they just die and die out. They call them dying churches because they're dead churches. There's nothing spreading around. That's why we can't allow that. We can't allow that here at Christian Embassy. That's why we need to with greater exuberance. That's why we applaud when it's time to bring the tithes and offerings because we're sustaining a culture and a climate that our God who was rich became poor that we who were poor might be made rich in and through the divine exchange of the curse that, that, that curse said you'll be hungry and naked and thirsty and in need of all things. And Jesus came and on the cross He said, I thirst. He was naked as they uh, gambled for His clothes and, and they took him down and there was no place for him that, that he even owned. He had nothing. There was nothing he had placed in a borrowed tomb. There was a divine exchange. He came and took what we had uh, so that we could have what he brought. Hallelujah. So we need that culture and God loves a cheerful giver because a cheerful giver is an expression that you understand uh, the principle of reciprocity and you understand the principle of, of, in, of, uh, of investing in the kingdom of God. So we are cheerful. We want to keep that culture. We want to keep the culture that our God is a healer and our God delivers and our God saves and our God sets people free and God turns circumstances around. We want to celebrate that. We want to shout that from the rooftop. We don't want that to ever get old. And when it comes time to praise and worship, we want to stand up, not sit down and act like we're in a culture of death and a culture of, of, of powerlessness. We're in a culture of power. All the power of heaven that we need on earth is available. And the inhabits the praises of His people. So when it's time to sing, we sing. When it's time to clap, we clap. When it's time to dance, we dance. When it's time to shout, we shout. Hallelujah! Because of the more passionate the expression, the more contagious the agreement becomes and the spiritual influence spreads to others. Now, if the devil's going to use it for the, 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 his world and his kingdom to come, let me tell you what, the church better wake up and understand that, wait a minute, we've got the good news, we've got the truth, we've got eternal life, we better not be sitting back as men and women of unbelief. And as this takes place over time, a value system and philosophies and schools of thought develop like a walled city around the intent of these principalities to protect them from ever losing their grip on the territory they lord over. And these passionate and contagious agreements, they produce greater spiritual influence that goes forth to establish culture. So now that's how culture is established. 
And these cultures can entail uh, con uh, conversational traditions and superstitions uh, of, of all sort. I've heard, I think I've heard them all. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of that. And they carry on dysfunction and repeated dysfunction and repeated dysfunction from one generation to the next generation. You're like, wait a minute, didn't this happen to your mom and daddy? Well, yeah, but it happened to grandmama and granddaddy too, really. And it happened to great grandmom and great granddad. They, this, this culture wants to be established and hold people's whole generations in, in, in grip and cause patterns of failure over and over again. Listen, listen. It is impossible to be delivered from anything we consider normal. Let me say that again. I believe it is impossible for us to be delivered from anything that we consider normal. Knowing that, demonic powers seek to slowly immerse us into a social system by which we are surrounded by a dominant culture that accepts our bondage as normal. Slowly, slowly, the frog in the, in the pot. Put a frog in a boiling pot of water, he'll jump out. Put him in cold water and slowly heat it up, he'll sit there and boil to death. That is what the enemy does. And if you consider it normal, you will never, ever rise above it. So you've got to hear a word. And, and, and through the dark ages, there was no word. They would not listen to God. They wouldn't listen to His prophets. They would not listen to His judges. They would not listen to His Torah. They would not listen to God. So God says, I'm going to raise up a generation that's hungry and ready for word from heaven. And it came in the fullness of time that the Word who was here from the beginning, for in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God, but the Word came and dwelt among us. And God said, now there's a people, there's a people who will hear the Word. And they will rise up out of their slumber. They will rise up out of the slow cooker of death that they're in. And they will say, wait a minute, light is exposing darkness and this bondage is not supposed to be normal. Living in debt is not supposed to be normal. Living with sickness in my body is not supposed to be normal. Living sad all the time is not supposed to be normal. Living in bondage is not supposed to be normal. And they would hear the word. And they would say, no more. No more. Matthew 12 and 43 says that unclean spirits say seek rest. When the unclean spirit came out of the man, he walked through dry places seeking rest, but he could find none. These unclean spirits, they want to be normalized. They don't want to be in battle. They don't want to be engaged. They want to remain unchallenged. But at Christian Embassy, I've heard what God is saying. And I gave my heart and my life to Him. And whether popular or not, I cannot be silent. And I must say these spirits must be challenged. We must not allow them to live in our lives and in our homes and in our bodies and our finances and our businesses and our church. We cannot put up with it. And whether the world celebrates it or not, it's time a real church, the church of the living God, would rise up and say, No, no. No more. Hallelujah. Because these spirits, they just want to be considered normal and accepted as us. But they're not welcome here. 
They're not welcome here. Jesus met a man in Mark 1, 23, I think it was. He met a man in the synagogue that had an unclean spirit. What did that unclean spirit say? He said, let us alone. Don't challenge us. We like holding these people in bondage. We like keeping them in debt. We like keeping them in sickness and in depression. We like destroying their marriages. We like taking their children and dragging their children through the pits of hell and, ruin, and ripping the hearts of the parents out. We like that. Leave us alone. What do you have to do with us? Please, back off. I'm here to say Jesus didn't back off. And we're called not to back off either. Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, 29, when a strong man keeps his house, everything in it is safe until a stronger one comes against him. And I'm telling you what, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So if we'll come against any bondage that the enemy has, let me tell you what, the stronger man has shown up and the other has to go. I believe God is waking up the church. And he's calling us to arise in power. He's calling us to arise to, and operate in the anointing that we have. But we must understand our culture and the culture that we're coming against and understand it's going to take power to shift it, bringing heaven to earth. Power to shift the prevailing cultures of the earth is in us. It's God's plan. He has no other plan. That's his plan that he would build a church that the gates of hell should not prevail against it. You and I should be bold as lions. We should be, we should be warriors. We should be confident if we really believe that we're a part of the church that Jesus is building, knowing that he is not a God that he, uh, he is not a man that he should lie and that the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. There's nothing hell can bring against us that's going to win. There's no... So don't even... Don't listen to the threat. Laugh. Ha ha. When the devil threatens you, laugh. Ha ha. Because you know you're on the winning side. So the question is, do you know? Or maybe the question is, are you a part of the church? You have to be born again. You can't be a part of this church not talking about Christian embassy, but talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we are a part of. You can't be a part of His church without being born into His kingdom as a son or a daughter. It's where faith comes in. It's a, it's a culture of faith. So you have to enter it by faith, by declaring His lordship over your life, saying, I'm going to do what you called me to do, Lord. I'm going to take my will, surrender it to your will. My will is subject to your will. I used to run my own kingdom. How good did that go for you? But I'm now yielding my kingdom to your kingdom. So we come under his lordship. We declare his lordship and he then becomes our savior. He's not going to be your savior if you're not surrendered to his lordship. Stop fooling yourself. Don't get quiet on me. It's just straight out of the Bible. And it's really pretty easy. Because I found out when I surrendered my will to the will of him who created me with purpose and destiny, and then he began to direct me into what he created me for, I found out I had been living as a square peg in a round hole, and he put me as a, a square peg in a square hole or whatever uh, the, the creative order was, and my life just began to zoom with, with joy and, and, and exuberance and wisdom and understanding, and, and everything began to work out. 
And it's like, man, life is grand. Life is wonderful. Life is awesome. And that's not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's every day. Every day. Hallelujah. But I had to surrender my will to his will. And by faith, declare his lordship over my life. And you can do the same. You can do it right now. We don't even need a special service. You know, we don't know where in the Bible says you've got to come down here and kneel in order for that to happen. It has to be a changing of the heart. You can change your heart right now to be a part of his kingdom. So the Holy Spirit is greater than the principalities and powers and rulers of the air. And we need to know that. So listen here. When we come into agreement with and give expression to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing, the culture of heaven begins to come out from concept to, uh, and theory to begin to occupy the territory that Satan currently held in time and space. Do, did, did you get that? When we come in agreement, see, we got to get the culture. We got to get the culture. We got to switch from unbelief and doubt and wrestling, trying to figure it out, to where I don't see it all, but faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So even though I don't see it all, I see what you say, God. So I'm going to take what you say in your word and I'm going to stand on that. That's going to become my culture. And when you begin to come in agreement with and give expression, you've got to go from agreement to also giving expression to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing, then the culture of heaven begins to come out of concept and theory and begins to occupy the territory Satan currently held in time and space here on earth. And there's now a need like never before for a cultural exchange to take place, for a shift to take place, for us to come out of theory and come out of biblical concept and Holy Ghost ideas and just a goosebump moment here and a goosebump moment there to then say, no, I believe the Word. I come in agreement with the Word. I speak the Word. I'm going to walk in the Word. And then you will find that the Word will bring all heaven and its culture in and it will begin to drive out that which Satan had previously held in time and space and now we will have heaven on earth. Hallelujah. But we've got a challenge. Look at somebody and say, is there always a challenge? <laughs> Ask them, is there, is there always a challenge? Our biggest challenge and Believe you me, Pastor Deke and I, we pray. This is, we pray. It's not, it doesn't, it didn't come easier. It's easier now than it's ever been. I think she'll be in agreement with me when she hears what I say because we talk about this. It, it used to not be as easy. And at one time it was intermittent, intermittent, it would come and go, okay? The biggest challenge is making our voice consistent consistently speaking with a voice of faith. That's the challenge. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because we came out of our mother's womb. We're born in a culture. Now, thank God our children, we broke it. I said, God, if you will help me, I'm breaking it. I'm breaking it. I got this back 19 years ago, 20 years ago, in January, 20 years ago. I said, God... I'm breaking this debt. Been in debt. 
I used to think, I honestly thought, I live in a country that will never be out of debt. It's impossible. I live in a family that's always been in debt my whole life. That's all I've ever heard them talk about. And ever since I got my first credit card, I've been in debt. And now going through Bible college and going through seminary and graduate school and all that, I'll probably be in debt the rest of my life. That's just how it is. If I can manage it, okay. But I got, that was the culture I grew up in. So I was in agreement with it. Do you see what I'm saying? I was in agreement with it. But the Lord began to prick my heart. And He said, I did not create you to live under this bondage. I did not create you to be a slave to the lender. I didn't create you. I set you. I come to set you free. And, 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 and Jesus says that he who is rich became poor, that we who are poor might be made rich in Christ Jesus. And it's God's will that none should perish, but all should, should have everlasting life. And in that everlasting life talks about sozo, which talks about not only eternal life, but healing and deliverance and financial prosperity, abundance to help rather than be helped. Now you say, well, there are those of us that have need and there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus said the poor you'll always have with you. And, and that is true. But I've had boats in my life. And I was a poor guy buying broke down boats from poor people who couldn't afford to keep fixing their boats and they pawned them off on me. And I know what it's like to be floating out there miles from land hoping that someone would come and rescue me. And when they did, they were the hero. But then I've also been in a blessed place where I found others who were broken down miles away from land looking for someone to rescue them. And I've been able to, to, to bring them and tow them in. I've been on both sides. And let me tell you what, towing them in is a much more rewarding position than being towed in, I can promise you. To be able to help someone to help not with a hand out, but a hand up and help someone. It's, it's a part, it's, it, we're created in the image of God. That's just a God nature in us. And, and I said, we're going to break this thing. I was born in this culture. I came in agreement with this culture. I've always been in debt. I'll always, I mean, I paid my debt. I had a wonderful credit score. That's why I kept getting more credit cards. They were offering them to me. I was looking at it as, as an answer to prayer. I needed more money. Here came a credit card pre-approved and a check written there. I can go ahead and take out $2,000. Well, that'll help pay the, the minimums on all of these. So I had it going. But God pricked my heart and He said, you're living in bondage. And Pastor Deacon and I were riding down uh, up 95, coming back here, and uh, actually from a stewardship conference. And it was there. Uh, Proving God was the book. Al Taylor had written it. And he was the speaker there. And this was 20 years ago. And we said, we got a revelation here. We're not supposed to live this way. This is not God's plan for us. So we made a decree right there that we're going to change the culture. We're going to learn God's culture. It didn't happen overnight, but it, but it had to start with a decision. That we're going to learn God's culture. And we said, Lord, uh, before the end of the year, please help us to be debt free. That was our prayer. Hey, give us a full year. It was January. Give us a full year. And then as we began to put things into practice and study what the Word said and say what the Word said and line ourselves up with the Word and stop spending and start selling all some stuff because we didn't even have room to put the stuff that we had bought. You know what I'm talking about. 
and we become in agreement with the Word. And we said, we've, we're, we've been tithing and giving offerings, but we're just going to step it up. God, God has been so good to us, and all this debt and all that interest that we've thrown away that could have went into the kingdom of God, we're going to double tithe. I'm mean, telling you what, we, we were just on it. We were on it. Because we believed that if we were to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'd take care of the rest. Then we learned a couple months later that we're pregnant. And we're going to have a child. He's going to be born the end of October. I said, God, we can't have a Halloween baby. He's PK, born on Halloween. That can't happen. Lord, so we're going to believe he's going to be born in November. Before Halloween or after Halloween. Not on Halloween. If some of you have been born on Halloween, that's good. You, you've helped him change the culture. I didn't have that revelation then. So, long story short, at one of our harvest parties out on a farm... Pastor Rodica was eating hot dogs and hamburgers going to town and she was nine months and she went into labor on October 31st. And we rushed home to get ready for the hospital and I said, God, do I need to stand her on her head and hold her legs in the air? What do I need to do? Give us a few hours. Give us a few hours. So Townsend was born November the 1st. The Lord is so gracious. He's so good. But, I threw, but when the baby was coming, we said, Lord, we said before the end of the year, but we know the miracle-working power of heaven coming to earth can bring forth that exchange quicker than that. And we're just going to amp up our expression, our expression that becomes contagious. And we amped up our expression. And guess what? Townsend was born in a debt-free home and has lived for 19 years in a home that is debt-free to God be the glory. So don't tell me it can't happen. But we had to change the culture. We had to bring the culture of heaven to earth. The same is true with healing. I told you my story with my, my body and how it was wrecked with pain and wrecked with doctors wanting to do exploratory surgery in my feet. I wanted to have them amputated. I couldn't live with the pain. And they, they would laugh at me because they said there's nothing wrong. But I hurt all over. I was so bad. But we got the revelation that the culture of living in sickness and disease is that of the enemy, for he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give abundant, bring abundant life. And he, by his stripes that we are healed, and that he sent his word, and he healed all of our diseases. And we begin to, wait a minute, we woke up to the culture of healing. And let me tell you what, we begin to, to, to uh, passionately, that's why we started the healing rooms, what, 13 years ago. It was that revelation, because we said we're going to set a culture, we're to help build a culture and let me tell you what we got to be passionate about it because that it gives expression to it to be contagious around us but you've got to make your voice consistently the voice of faith now we all can bump each other and say we could work on that and i could bump on myself because i've still got some ground ground i need to go and i know you do as well amen because we have to but Having a preacher that will consistently preach like this should help you consistently keep the voice of faith, I would think. Amen? Because that will consistently stand out, and you've you got to do this. You've got to consistently stand out in the midst of the babble of the other voices that are clamoring for attention of the people in the world wanting those, the culture of hell to be established. 1 Corinthians 14 and 10, Paul said, There are many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. There are many voices that are going on in the world, and, 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 and they're trying to seek to occupy time and space. They're volleying for and trying to get a, an agreement with a human being so that they can, from that agreement, bring forth the manifest of that, through that agreement, a, a climate that then brings these strongholds that sets up a culture. So when you hear this stuff going on, now you know what it is. 
Oh, you need to do this. Oh, you shouldn't listen to your, your, your mother. You shouldn't listen to your father. You shouldn't listen to your pastor. You shouldn't listen to authorities over you. That, those are voices. Those are voices. Try, oh, this way is better. You won't get caught. You always get caught. Your sin is sure to find you out. You always get caught. For you men who have a relationship on the side, whether it's become physical or it's still uh, in the uh, early stages, you will get caught. Ladies, if you are doing the same, you will get caught. Your sin is sure to find you out. It will bring destruction. And the one that is luring you and the one that is talking and trying to, the, the mistress that is trying or the gentleman that is trying to pull you off of the path, the Bible says is pulling you down to the path of destruction, which is assured death in hell. It's what the Bible says. So when these voices are clamoring for you, you say, I've got to get the voice of God. I got to get the Word of God. And I got to hold on to the Word of God consistently. Not just thinking it, but you got to speak it. You got to speak it consistently. Wow, this is such an important principle. Why? Because it gives expression in our attitudes and our behaviors to whatever spirit influence we're under. I'm always bragging on our kids, but our kids are real kids, normal kids as well. We have to bring instruction to them. And recently, the two youngest ones, they, they were calling each other liars. Oh, you're lying, you're lying. They're laughing. Like it's fun. You're lying, you're lying. They were playing something. You're lying, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. And I walked in, I said, stop it. I said, who is the father of lies? I said, Satan? Yes. So if you are a liar, who's your, fa who's your daddy? And they're like, not the devil. I said, do you not understand that you are cursing one another? Oh, Dad, we're just joking. We're just playing. I said, in their innocence, their voices that are, that, are, that are volleying, trying to get their attention in something that seems so innocent because these spirits want to seem normal. Normal, fun, it's okay. A little humor may, can make us take our sugar, what is it? A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. A little bit of laughter, let someone criticize us and get by with it. You know what I'm saying? So I said, we don't, we don't, we don't that's not the culture of this house. That is not how we speak to one another. We bless one another. And if someone is caught in telling untruth, we deal with that. But this, just playing around, you're lying, you're lying. No, I said, it was, no, you're lying, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. You know, it just went on and on. I said, stop it. They said, Dad, we didn't even realize we were doing it. We won't do it anymore. We're all products of our culture. Culture is characterized by whatever spirits or influences have become dominant in our lives. So look at your own culture. Look at your culture of how you do your finances. Some may be in a culture of bondage and debt and destruction and where Satan is going to rule over you and your finances all your life. And when Pastor Rodica heard that word from the Lord Sunday and began to share it with you, that you, become very, you became upset with it. You may not have given expression in here to it, but you didn't like what she was saying. A divine audit? How dare you? God didn't say that. A divine audit. Ain't none of your business. Ain't none of, you know. I work hard for my money. I do with my money what I want to do with my money. That's what's wrong with the church. They always got their hand in your pocket. You don't find that true here. How many, through the building of this whole building process and the millions of dollars that we've spent, have we got up here saying, if you don't give, we're going to turn the lights off. We're not going to have church Sunday. Have you ever heard it once? Because that's not the culture of this house. 
That's not the culture of this house. God is our supply. God is our source. Now, he uses people, but he uses people through cheerful giving who understand the economy of heaven, that culture coming to earth where you can give money away and you have more. The culture of the world, when you give money away, subtraction is subtraction. You have less. Right? But the economy of heaven is you give, you give and you subtract, but it multiplies. I subtract and it multiplies. I subtract and give and it comes back, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. And then I give and it comes back, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. The world, can't, the world can't compete with that. That's a God thing. But Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he gives us ways by faith to participate in and bring, usher in the culture of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? When we agree with a spirit, we give expression to that dominant spirit in our life and we become, in a sense, walking billboards or broadcast of the culture that we're part of. So if we buy into the common secular culture, then our beliefs and our values and our attitudes and our behavior and our speech will affect that culture. And we become carriers or promoters of the strongholds of that culture. So when we repent, we need to repent of all of this because we've helped advance the kingdom of darkness. Before Christ or even after Christ, but yet we perished for lack of knowledge, we were still advancing the kingdom of hell rather than the kingdom of heaven. I asked God to forgive me, and guess what? He did. If you'll ask Him to forgive you, He'll do the same. So the enemy works it that way, but the same is true if we agree with the God's kingdom culture, then our beliefs and our values and our attitudes and our behavior and our speech will reflect heaven's culture. That's why I told the kids, your speech is not reflecting the right culture. It is identifying a wrong culture, and we're putting that culture, we're identifying it, and we're putting it out right now. And they came in agreement with Daddy, or they would have come in agreement with something else. And they knew that. In love, that is. Ushering in heaven on earth. See, quite often you look at someone and you can tell the subculture that they belong to. Oh, they're, they're, they're skinheads or they're metalheads or bodybuilders or they're from a reggae group or that's a surf, surf culture. Those are jocks or computer nerds or punk rockers or hipsters or goth or yuppies or whatever it is. Their dress, their behavior, their speech, their lifestyle reveal the dominant voice that they're listening to in their lives. And you can without a doubt determine the prevailing spirit that influences or controls them. And if we reject the common culture in favor of, one, of another one, say a Christian culture, go with that, I would encourage you, based on biblical values, yes, I would go with that, we may become identified as part of a counterculture because we are not the dominant culture, we're a counterculture, but a counterculture means that we're living in a prevailing culture, but we refuse to live according to the dominant values of that culture. Now that's the part of us as a pilgrim passing through that we may never in, the, in our lifetime change the dominant culture, the prevailing culture with the Christ culture that we are doing, but everywhere we have influence, we will. We will. 
we're going to make this world a better place where we're at. Because the spiritual climate does not change overnight. Amen? It strengthens over time. Did you know that? If a culture is left unchallenged, it strengthens and its influence gains wider and wider acceptance. It's a progression that begins with a spiritual influence that establishes an atmosphere and then it strengthens and grows until it's a prevailing climate which becomes a stronghold that then establishes itself as a culture. I got so much more to say, but there is not enough time tonight to say it. But let me tell you what, let me just go back to Jesus went to his hometown and he was faced head on with a prevailing dominant culture that was of unbelief. And he says, uh-huh, this is what I've come to do. And he didn't call hell down on them. He didn't call fire from heaven down on them. He began to expose the word of God. He began to be a louder voice than the voices they'd been listening to. And that voice of heaven began to speak. And those that had ears to hear it began to believe the word of God. And as they begin to believe the Word of God, they begin to bring in the Word of God through the expression of their own lives and spread the Word of God until multitudes, multitudes gathered around Him and they all were healed and delivered and saw the miracle manifest of heaven on earth. And the old lie that God no longer works miracles was, was, was overturned as they with their own eyes saw those that were lame from their mother's womb 40 years later jumping and running and walking and praising God. They saw the man that Barnabas that they'd seen blind and begging his whole life. Now he could see and they could not doubt that that was Barnabas. Let me tell you what. They began to, the culture that, that was established began to change with the power shift. My prayer to you, and like I said, we've got to revisit this and go further. Or either I'll go on and you, you'll say, wow, that was just too much. <laughs> the message I want you to hear tonight is his name is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's God with us. Jesus came, the word to this earth, to come against the strongholds and come against the spiritual climates, and come against the culture, and come against all of that with the culture of heaven. And he did it with great power. And then he said to his disciples, to you and me, I want your prayer to be this way every day, that you would pray that the will of heaven and the kingdom of heaven would come through you on this earth but you're going to need power. And before he ascended on high, as he's going up into the clouds, he says, I need you to go to Jerusalem. You've got to do this. You've got to go there and tarry until you've been endued from on high with power. Power. And there they were on the day of Pentecost. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2. And there came upon a mighty rushing wind and tongues as a fire set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And from that day forth, the church was birthed as Peter, who was cursing and running and denying, is now filled with the power of God to confront the culture that he grew up in. And he preached a, a word that blazed a light trail into the darkness. 3,000 got set free from the darkness and the culture of the world that day. And the church began to grow. And the Bible says the church has grown every since. Hallelujah.
Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So in order for this cultural exchange to take place, there has to be a power shift. Power shift. We need to daily, daily get up and say, Father God, fill this house. Fill this house with your spirit, with your power, with your anointing, with your presence. I pray, Holy Ghost, that you will not find one area, not one cell of my body that is not in agreement with your word. You breathe the Word of God. This is God breathed, Holy Ghost inspired the Word of God. I'm, I'm in agreement with it. I am healed. I am delivered. I'm debt free. There's no substance that holds in a bondage over me. There's no rebellion that's going to get me off track. There is no lack of love that's going to cause me to be depressed. There is no rejection of man that's going to cause me to turn and, and, and give up. I have all of you, God, and I have your spirit, and I have your power, and I have your word, and I am going to give voice to it because I'm in agreement with it. When you give an agreement with the spirit and give voice to it, then that spirit has a body to manifest in time and place to bring forth its culture. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Lord God, we just stand here tonight. Lord, and as we stand, I pray that we would stand up and say, God, here am I. Count me in. Lord, here am I, Lord. I, I want to I be a part of this cultural exchange, Lord God. I want to be a part of the power shift that is needed, Lord God. Count me in, Lord. Where there's darkness, use me to bring light. Where there's bondage, use me to bring uh, freedom. Lord God, where there's sadness, use me to bring joy. Where there's debt, Lord God, use me to bring freedom and financial blessing and abundance. Lord God, where there's sadness, use me to bring uh, happiness, Lord God. Lord God, where there is a hopelessness, God, use me to bring hope. Lord, here am I. I hear your word. I give agreement to your word. And I align my tongue with my, the agreement of your word. And I'm going to speak life, not death. I'm going to speak blessing and not curses. And I'm going to be a part of the cultural exchange in the, do the domain that you've given me, Lord God. Count it covered. Here am I. Here am I. Use me. Father, I pray every disciple under the sound of my voice would make that decision right now. Right now, Jesus, you are my Lord. I live my life for you. I'm not pleasing a man. I'm not pleasing the authorities of the world. I am pleasing you, God. I am living to bring glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving to you. I'm not looking to man to meet my needs. I'm looking to you. I'm not looking to man to puff me up. I'm looking to you to encourage me. I'm not looking to man to open a door for me. Lord, you said you would open the door for me. So, Lord God, I'm getting my eyes off of man that culture of man worship, I turn my back on it. I repent of it. I am not looking to the hand of man to be my source. I am looking to you to be a conduit of heaven, Lord God, to usher in your kingdom and your power and your glory. Here am I, God. I just lift my hands to you, Lord. Here am I. Here am I, God. Send me. Here am I, God. Use me. Here am I, God. My family needs heaven. Some, there's some family members that need to hear some of heaven. There's some friends of mine that need to hear of heaven. There's some people that say they're my friends, and when they hear of heaven, they're going to leave me. But I'm not going to leave you, God. If they leave me, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. I am yours, and you are mine. Bring a cultural shift, God, I pray. Lord, I know this is your will and your desire. Use us, I pray, God, to do it as we become enlightened to your word and have understanding of your word and walk in your word and talk your word. 
We thank you for it, God, as we go into this night and the rest of this week as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.